in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. <laughs> He's evil! Why are we doing this? I don't know. <laughs> For fun. We're kooky. We're spooky. We're all together ooky. <laughs> We're all that above, listeners. And um, today's topic's no different. It's yeah. spooky. It's spooky. It's stanky. It's stinky. Uh, it's inky. It's not. It's not Blinky and the other Pac-Man ghosts. Carl. Is one of them named no, Carl? I don't know. <laughs> okay. The blue one is Carl. Uh, no, today we're talking about the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Mm-hmm. A weird incident of either mass hysteria encompassing an entire town, right? Pretty creepy. Night prowlers stalking the night, gassing people's homes. It's either it's either a case of people getting swept up in mass hysteria or suffering actual chemical attacks <laughs> of a small town in the state, our home state of Illinois. 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 Um, came out of Illinois. Thank you, Cheap Trick. Right? Why a riot? Oh, that's what you were doing. But Cheap Trick has a album called Illinois. Mm, right? right, right, right. Yeah, I think. I think so. I think I'm right on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place a bet and say I'm right on Cheap that. Trick, if you're listening, let us know if we got that right. <laughs> let us know, Cheap Trick. Big fans. Andy's all right. Artie's all right. They just seem a little scared. Surrender. Listeners, if you want to surrender yourselves to the research and not have to listen to Andy and I do a short but sweet intro bit, okay, it's only 20 minutes. It's all right. There's no reason to get worked up about it and roast our asses in the comments, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You can just skip right ahead because there's a timestamp in the show notes descriptions. Check out those show notes. Find that timestamp. Skip right ahead. We'll give you a second. Okay, that was your second. You know? Did you get it? Did you get it? You can skip right ahead to the research. You don't have to listen to us goof around. We're just doing little goofs. We're doing some, we're just abduction story goofing. We're just goofing. We just want to talk about how Mr. Bunker abducted us to the bunker this week so that we could get ready to present the whole enchilada of the research. And this A is the- A mad gas enchilada. The mad gas enchilada. This is the titular Mr. Bunker. We should really be clarifying more often, Andy- that it's the titular Mr. Bunker, because I feel like 
people are going to be listening and they're going to be like, are they talking about this other Mr. Bunker? Are they talking about, you know, all the other bunkers out there? No, we're talking about the titular Mr. Bunker of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time This podcast. is his podcast. Yeah. He abducts us. Right. We serve his bidding. If you didn't listen to the first episode, you might not be in on the lore. He's a very bashful man. He's shy. He's incredibly shy. He's a little sweetie. He has no problem dressing up in elaborate costumes and like capturing us. But when it comes to being on mic, he says, no, no, thank you. Doesn't you like the sound of his it. own voice. That's right. And so he found two of the most Art vain. Art and I, as you guess, can't get enough of the sound of our own voices. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's where I was going. He found the two most vain dudes with no shame who could give less of a shit. Yeah. <laughs> just let us talk forever. So anyway, we're going to let you know how he captured us this week. And Andy, you're excited about yours today. I can tell. <laughs> I can see it in your I, face. I actually, I was in the bunker role. I can see it in your eyes. To be honest with you. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I mean by that is that, that I was in a position of, of feeling, uh, some, mm -hmm. uh, anxiety about myself. Mm. I was feeling self-conscious. That doesn't happen often. No. Uh, what happened was, uh, I was, I was waiting, I was waiting for the red line train mm. downtown and I'm on the train platform. That's right. Uh, which is where the train or trains arrive. Uh, and depart. Um, I see, uh, oftentimes, for people who aren't familiar with the uh, Chicago mass transit system, oftentimes what you will see at train platforms is buskers, mm. people who are performing, uh, whether it be music or singing or whatever. That's right. That's right. They're doing yeah, it yeah, for yeah. for money uh, at the train stations. Um, and there was a there was a tap dancing busker. Cute. You don't see that very often. Not not very common. You don't. Yeah, you don't see physical performance very often. Uh, the, but there's a tap dancer at the train station, and <clears throat> the trains are yeah, a little bit delayed, as so they I, are, as is the case with the Chicago Transit Authority, the CTA. Um. So I'm waiting down at the train platform, and this tap dancer's dancing, and some people are watching him. You know, again, it's a unique thing. People are kind of into it. This guy is is like trying to challenge me to a dance off. You know, he's like he's like he's goading you on. He's got to like bring it on kind of scenario going. He's trying to serve me, right? So, and we're not talking food, no, or no. a slip of paper. Yeah, he's not summoning you to court. He's not a process server. Right. He's just trying to dance. Serve he's me. trying to roast your ass through the art of dance. Right. Right. He's going to serve your ass. I, and, and you know, I, I, I'm bashful about it. I don't know how to tap dance. I'm you're not, not a, you're not, I'm not a trained dancer. Yeah. I, I don't even, I wouldn't even judge that I'm a good dancer. I don't dance that often. Right. So I don't know much about dance. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hesitant to do this. I don't want to do it. Plus I'm just waiting for the train, you know? Yeah. You're trying to, I, you know, I just kind of want to be left alone. Right. And the guy keeps, he keeps dancing and he's getting closer and closer to me. And he's getting kind of aggressive about it. So I'm just like, okay, I just need to like get this over with. Like, what's the worst that could happen? He'll be, he'll serve me. Yeah. I'll go about my day. You'll get roasted, so, whatever. So I'm, I decide I'm going to try to dance a little bit. Okay. The crowd 
that's kind of gathered around, like as this guy's kind of goading me on a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Like there's a crowd starting to watch. Uh, they really, really hate my dancing. Oh, like they start, they start booing me. Oh my god, really? Yeah, and like really intensely booing me. Oh wow! And a CTA worker comes to the platform to like calm things down. It's like one of these, you know, CTA people who's like cleaning up and is on the platform and sure. comes over to try to like, you know, calm things down. So the 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 CTA worker asked me to stop dancing because the crowd hates it so much. But I have like too much momentum built up to just immediately stop. Like I can't just put the brakes on. I got to sure. like finish the move. Yeah, yeah. And the CTA worker starts like getting really like agitated by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it starts like they've got a broom and they start like sweeping me with the broom, like hitting me with the oh, broom. Oh, wow. Uh, and this is bad. This worker is like kind of fired up and like sweeps me into one of these trash cans on wheels. <laughs> like just <laughs> sweeps me right into it. And then the CTA worker like hops on the trash can and like rides it <laughs> Up out of the train platform what? and then into the streets. And that's when the worker rips off their face and it's bunker. Oh my God. Then he just brings the trash can back to the bunker, rides it all the way to the bunker. He looks like the Joker in the dark night hanging his head out the taxi window. That's that's what Mr. Bunker looked like. <laughs> and I have to tell you, you're trash. That trash can was very wet. <laughs> I don't know why he does these things. Why it is that he can't just put me into a clean trash bag. But nobody was going to call him out on this. Yeah. Who cares? Like he rode away on the trash can. People are already like, what? Yeah. What's this CTA employee doing sweeping a human into a trash can and then riding away? Like a Segway. It's not like, oh, the realism will be killed if the trash can's not actually full of garbage. And why did it have to be wet garbage? It's not he like couldn't s- just throw some like paper in there. <laughs> I mean, this is so annoying. You're fired up about this. I got garbage. a wet butt. Garbage wet butt. I mean, Andy, I I feel bad for you getting roasted, getting served. By I got them. swamp ass. Garbage wet swamp ass. <laughs> And then you have to sit in a uh, wet trash can like that. I mean, that's... The whole way to the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... BS. You know, occasionally people on the, on the CTA platforms want to look inside the CTA workers' trash cans. Be like, what do you got in there? You know? We are well, wont to do. That's This is like from personal experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was, what's going on in there? What do you got in there? What are you packing? Is there any real trash in there? I don't think you're working. What? What's my tax dollars going for? (laughs) Smart guy. (laughs) Well, Andy, I I mean, I feel bad. I I feel like you are upset about the garbage more because you got you got roasted, you got served, you got bested by that dancer. You think that I wouldn't? You think I would have not minded as much a wet garbage ride? I think you're really upset about what, being served. Which is what they used to call having sex with me in college, getting a wet garbage ride. Only in college. Yeah. Well, when I got older, people didn't care about it as much. <laughs> wet garbage ride. No, yeah, I think you spend most of your day in filth. <laughs> so I don't understand why you're that upset about wet garbage. I think you're really upset that you got roasted on your dancing. Look, it didn't people feel good. You. I didn't even want to dance. It was like, 
it was like showtime at the Apollo. <laughs> they should have just let me go, made me go. But no. It's hard out there, Andy. You put yourself out there and you got I didn't put myself out there. I was burned. just waiting for the train. The tap dancer did this to me. You had the tap dancer should be ashamed. You had options. Well, Andy, I'm sorry that that happened to you. You know, I I don't think that that's very fun. It was not fun. Um, swamp I ass. had a bit of swamp ass. Skunk it. Swamp ass. The skunk it. Um, I had a bit of a scare with my abduction story here today. Oh, Andy. you did? Yeah, I did. Um, what happened? You know, Andy, I uh. I used to, you know, malls used to be a lot more prevalent in our lives. They're moles? not so, malls. Oh, <laughs> what do you think I said? Moles? No, not moles. I still like have those on your skin or in your yard. <laughs> a little bit of a, a little bit of b. <laughs> uh, malls. Oh, shopping malls. Shopping malls. Um, used to be a lot more prevalent in our lives. As teens, you'd gather at the mall and you'd go shop till you drop. Oh yeah. It usually just involves a walking look, around. Look, we've all been there. I don't think those are as prevalent today as they used to be. I think Definitely malls are not. dying away. Malls are malls are not uh, in fashion anymore. Right. Regardless, Andy, you know, there's one mall kiosk that I've always been fascinated with, and that is the Mall Ninja kiosk. The, what I'm talking about is the, the Mall Ninja. There's 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 Never a of subsect this. of of person called a Mall Ninja. This is a person who. You know, typically they're out of shape, but they think they're a warrior because they stock up on these uh, ninja weapons that you can buy at the mall. You've seen these before. These are typically like you can get oh, like size and katanas, and it's like a it's like one of these kiosks that sells glaives. Weapons. You know, other things like that. Yeah, there's a kiosk that sells weapons. There's always a kiosk that sells weapons in the mall. And as a kid, you always <laughs> want to buy one of those swords, but. You know, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a kiosk selling weapons. You've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah, mm. you know what? And these these weapons are always they're fake bullshit. But you know, as a kid, you don't know that your parents know that, so they're never going to buy you, and they're also just not going to buy you a weapon. But now that I'm an adult and I can spend my own money, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get a couple weapons just because they're cool. I've always wanted to get a katana, yeah. so I head on over. Um. To one of the mall kiosks, and who the fuck do I see working at the stall? None other than Bunker. Mr. Bunker. Yes, Bunker himself. How did I know? How did he know? He decides, I listen, I go, all right, well, I'm thinking about getting a cool katana. Maybe we can keep it in the bunker. Be kind of a cool <laughs> little just thing to keep on the in the in the bunker, you know. Uh Joe Rogan keeps a katana in his podcast studio and he's cool as fuck. So uh so you're trying he to He is the coolest that has ever existed. You're trying to make yourself just like Joe Rogan? Who else would you want to be but Joe Rogan? <laughs> um So I say, you know, like and he he hands me a Bunkshido katana. Now this katana Bunkshido Bunk brand katanas. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, it's decent, you know, it's like it's nicely weighted. Uh it has good cloth wrapping, um, you know, as far as I could tell. It had decent, um, you know, engravings. Yeah. But then as soon as I'm like, I'm kind of testing it out at the mall. I'm not really doing any any strong swings, but I'm, I'm making little slices here and there. Um, Bunker pulls out his own katana. Wow. Comes out from the stall, lines up across from me. 
Oh, he challenged you. He challenges. He challenges me. Excuse me. Sorry, I had a beef stick. Burping. <laughs> he pulls out his own katana. Yeah. And I go. He goes, Omae wa moishinderu. And I go, Nani? And he, he pulls out his katana. What? He starts charging towards me. What does that me. mean? He starts charging towards me, Andy. I think Omaiwa Moishinderu means you're already dead. And Nani means what? <laughs> he starts charging towards me. All of a sudden, he teleports. What? Behind me. Shows up behind me, whispers in my ear. <laughs> Nothing personal, kid. When all of a sudden, he takes a massive swipe. I collapse from the wound. He cut you with the katana? I see blood. There's a dramatic pause. I see blood pouring out from my abdomen. Oh, my God. And I collapse from the wound. The ground. What? Anime style. Bunker, Bunker clicks his katana back into his, his uh, sheath. Well, how do you know? And I Didn't immediately you say you passed out? Yeah, that was during the dramatic pause. Then I pass out from the wound. Oh, oh okay. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Then I, I, I stop. I notice the blood. And I pass out from the wound. Gotcha. I wake up. Yeah. I'm tied in the back of Bunker's immaculately recreated Tokugawa era Japanese rickshaw. Bunker, dressed as a historically accurate Bushido <laughs> Ronin warrior, is carrying me Jeez. to the bunker. <laughs> oh my God. Andy. <laughs> the attention to detail. I, I mean, listen. This. Andy, it turns out the katanas were made of packing styrofoam and Bunker just squirted ketchup on my tummy. I, oh, I passed out thinking it was blood. You dummy. I mean, listen, I thought he got me. He still moved with lightning quick speed and teleported behind me. You idiot. Listen, I'm not going to try and deny it. He got me. Yeah, you were, got got. I don't know Japanese weapons well. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a weapons expert. I'm no pawn star. I don't have friends that I could bring in. To help me judge the accuracy, the historical accuracy of the an item. You are a Japanese miner, though. <laughs> that's true. I have a miner. You're a in miner Jap in Japan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I've got black lung. <laughs> Mining all that coal. He's a miner, folks. <laughs> um, I think I he he decorated these packing foam swords so well. Were and you holding a packing foam sword? I yes, I believe I was. Wow. And he squirted ketchup on my tummy so fast. You got got so hard that I thought it was blood. Jeez, <laughs> what do you, I mean? What a rube! What would you do? What would I do? I'd freaking hog out on that ketchup. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. I love eating ketchup. Nom, 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 Straight nom. off your tummy, yeah. Just <laughs> like an otter. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Andy, uh, we got to get to a story that's even odder than an otter. Uh, this is the Mad Gasser of Mattoon. 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 Milady Mattoon. Uh, <laughs> speaking of mall ninjas, Mattoon. Um, Andy, this is a weird little story. You ever heard of it before? Um, no. Okay. No. I, that. <laughs> I never even heard of Mattoon before. <laughs> I haven't either. It, uh, I... Uh, I didn't grow up in Illinois, so give me a break, everybody. It's a small town, I believe, in the south of Illinois. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's right. 
Um, well, anyway, whether it was a case of mass hysteria or an actual assailant, we will uh, bring you the whole enchilada on the mad gasser of Mattoon here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Yeah, it's south of Champagne. As humans, we fear the unknown, those creeping shadows outside your bedroom window, the mysterious noise heard in the basement when you're all alone. What could they be? Who could they be? Is it a figment of our imagination, or is it some mysterious mad prowler stalking the night? For one little town in Illinois, Mattoon, Illinois, that fear, whether imagined or not, felt very real in the autumn of 1944. A person typically described as a tall, slender man dressed in dark clothing, wearing a flat cap, would break into their homes and release a toxic gas causing sickness, paralysis, and nausea. More than two dozen separate cases were reported to police over the span of two weeks in Mattoon. But scarce amounts of physical evidence was ever found, causing some to wonder... Did this, quote, mad gasser actually exist? Or was this a bizarre case of mass hysteria clouding the entire town? Andy, seeing as you're our mad gasser <laughs> yourself, why don't you uh, tell us about these first attacks? I knew it was started? coming, listeners. I knew Art would call me a mad gasser. You probably think that's so funny. But identity theft isn't fucking funny art i've worked so hard to develop my brand as an insane socially unstable gassy person who farts too much and stories like this just detract from all the hard work i do okay i I, that's why funked failed i'm sorry i i didn't mean to bring up old wounds anyway I'm an insane, socially unstable, gassy person. (laughs) That's my brand. I believe you. God. (laughs) Anyway, reports out of Mattoon first began on August 31st, 1944. A man named Urban Rafe was awakened in the early hours of the night, or morning rather, by a strange odor. He felt sick and nauseous and started to vomit. He asked his wife to see if they left the gas stove on overnight. But when she tried to get out of bed to check, she was unable to move. Later, after the two weeks of attacks, it was learned that a neighbor experienced the same effects that night. The next night, September 1st, a similar attack occurred. At around 11 p.m., Mrs. Kearney on Marshall Avenue in Mattoon reported smelling a strong, sweet odor. At first, she thought it might have just been from some flowers outside the bedroom window. But soon, the odor became stronger and stronger and she lost feelings in her legs. Naturally, this caused Miss Kearney to panic and scream out in terror. Her wails attracted her sister, who was staying in the other room. She noticed the strange odor and determined it was coming from the open bedroom window. Naturally, they contacted the police, but they couldn't find any trace of a prowler 
or a gas leak. At around 12.30 a.m., Bert Kearney, Mrs. Kearney's husband, returned home from work. He wasn't some office junkie. He was just a local taxi driver and worked late at night. I just want to clarify. Thank you. Anyway, Mr. Kearney pulls up to his home and sees what he later described as an unidentified tall man dressed in dark clothing wearing a tight-fitting cap, hiding close to one of the windows of his house. The prowler immediately fled, and Mr. Kearney gave chase, unaware of his wife's incident and thinking this was just some nasty peeping Tom. Oh, he's nasty. (laughs) But the prowler escaped into the darkness. The Kearneys reported their description of the prowler to the local media, and this description of a tall man dressed in dark clothing wearing a tight-fitting cap became the de facto description used for the rest of the incidents that would follow. After the attack, Mrs. Kearney reported suffering from a burning sensation on her lips and throat, which were attributed to the effects of the gas. At first, it was suspected that robbery was the primary motive for the attack. The Kearneys had a large sum of money in the house, and it was surmised that the prowler could have seen Mrs. Kearney and her sister counting it earlier that evening. Personally, if I had a large sum of money... I would have swan-dived into a large pool of it, a la Scrooge McDuck, Hmm. in the opening sequence of the original DuckTales. But hey, that's me. That is you. Yep, that's what I would do. Four days later, on September 5th, the third attack took place. Carl and Bula Cords of North 21st Street returned home at around 10 p.m. after a night out. After a few minutes, they noticed a strange white cloth, about the size of a handkerchief, sitting on their porch next to the screen door. Bula picked up the cloth and noticed the strange smell coming from it. So she gave it a big whiff, as you do with any weird piece of trash you find on your porch. Yeah. As soon as she did, though, she became violently ill. She immediately felt nauseated and lightheaded. Her husband came to help her inside as moments later, her face began to swell, her mouth and throat experienced an intense, burning sensation, and she vomited. She described it as similar to an electric shock and the symptoms easy for you to say and the symptoms lasted for hours. As with the other mad gasser victims, she reported feeling weak and experiencing paralysis in her lower body. They called the police who took the cloth into evidence. As they searched the property, they also found a skeleton key, which is an illicit master key used to open a variety of locks and an empty tube of lipstick nearby the porch. The cords and the police hypothesized that the cloth had been left on the porch in order to knock out the family dog, which usually slept there so that the prowler could break into their home undisturbed. These three pieces of evidence still remain the only physical evidence ever recorded of the mad gasser. However, none gives us any insight into who or what this night stalker was. The same night, September 5th, a second incident was reported at the home of Mrs. Leonard Burrell. Uh, She reported seeing a stranger break in through her bedroom window and then attempt to gas her. And the sightings continued. The next night, September 6th, seven more mad gasser style attacks were reported. Here's a few of the reports. At 9 p.m., Mrs. Glenda Hendershot uh, claimed to see a dark figure lurking near her home. Later, her daughter fell ill, leading Mr. Hendershot to believe that she had been gassed. At 10 p.m., Ardell Spangle reported smelling sickly sweet fumes, and she felt ill after. At midnight, Mrs. Laura Junkin reported smelling a strange odor odor while entering her apartment. 
She described it as like cheap perfume and almost immediately felt, felt weak. She also reported that she had left her window open slightly. Also at midnight, Mr. Fred Gobble reported that he felt sick from a gas he saw being sprayed into his bedroom window. However, his wife, who was sleeping next to him, did not report any uh, feeling of any sickness. Gobble's neighbor said that he saw a tall, thin man running away from Gobble's home that night. But who was behind the attacks remained cloudy, like a glass, a gas cloud. Mm-hmm. And but just to be clear, sometimes gases can be invisible to the human eye, so be sure to always check your carbon monoxide detectors. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> now, as you can probably tell by now, the town was in complete mad gasser madness. But most of the reports filed were panicked Mattoon residents reporting strange odors. Needless to say, the small local police force of two officers and eight patrolmen were overwhelmed with mad gasser mania. At one point, they brought in two FBI agents from Springfield, Illinois, the state's capital city, to help with the case. But their presence did little to stop the citizens' reports or catch the gassy culprit. Panic was widespread and rumors began to circulate about who or what this prowler was and what chemicals it was using. Constant police patrols started occurring in Mattoon, even with their small force. That didn't stop the denizens of Mattoon to get involved. In fact, so many citizens began following the police patrols hoping to catch a glimpse of this mad gasser that the chief had to order anyone caught following the police patrols to be arrested. The patrols did apprehend a teenager who was out pulling an effing sick prank one night on his friend. They caught him tapping at the friend's window. <laughs> but he was released after questioning and subjected to a polygraph. Still a freaking rad prank, though. LOL. <laughs> you're just a you're a prank fan. Yeah. Tapping on a window? What a freaking sick prank. That is like. a sick fucking prank. Dude. I mean, can you imagine, dude, you if imagine? you were like asleep and you heard a tapping on your window? And you like look out the window and it's like, got you, dude. Effing got you. <laughs> Regardless of police patrols or horny, pranky teens, <laughs> mad gasser attacks continued to be reported. Seven more attacks were reported between September 7th and the 10th. Most followed along the same lines as the attacks on the 6th. Seeing a tall prowler man in all black or smelling a stinky sweet odor. <laughs> But one at the home of Miss Frances Smith, the principal of a local school, and her sister Maxine was particularly interesting. They reported being overwhelmed by gas and became sick. They began choking and felt partial paralysis in their legs and arms. The sweet odor began to fill the room as, quote, a thin blue vapor. And they heard a buzzing noise outside, which they believed to be the mad gassers, quote, spraying apparatus. By this point, the Mad Gasser mania had reached its apex. Armed vigilante groups of Mattoon citizens were, were patrolling the streets, and the police were receiving so many false reports that the chief of police had to take action. On September 12th, the Mattoon police chief, C.E. Cole, gave what he felt was his final statement on the Mad Gasser attacks. He stated, quote, We find no evidence to support the stories that have been told. Hysteria must be blamed for such seemingly accurate statements of supposed victims, end quote. Furthermore, the whole case was, quote, a mistake from beginning to end, end quote. He also added that local company, Atlas Diesel Engine Company, was likely to blame for the gas and odors. The company had stored large quantities of carbon tetrachloride gas, and this must be what was causing the reported cases of illness and paralysis. Naturally, a representative of Atlas Diesel Engine refuted Cole's claims. They argued that if fumes were really leaking, then their employees would have gotten sick first. 
Also, at the time of the attacks, they had been certified as safe by the state health department. Regardless, this claim by Cole did put an end to the gas attack reports, except for one. The last gas attack reported occurred on September 13th at the home of Bertha Birch. She described the attacker as a woman dressed in man's clothing or men's clothing and who sprayed gas into uh, a bedroom window of her home. The next morning, footprints that appeared to have been made by a woman's high-heeled shoe were found in the dirt below the window. Do we know what kind of high heels? I mean, like pumps, platform heels, cones, peep toes, T-straps, Mary Janes, open toes, dorsets, stilettos, wedges, slingback, sling blind, scorpions, kitten, ankle straps, chunky, <gasps> ruby slippers. Jeez. Andy, you sure know a lot about the types of high-heeled shoes. Just another piece of canonized lore about your character, I guess. But no, we, we don't. We don't know what kind of shoe it was. Oh, what a shame. And with that, (laughs) the mad gasser of Mattoon was no more. Given that this happened in the 1940s, has any new evidence turned up that gives us clues as to who this mad gasser was and what gas he was using? Just what happened in the town of Mattoon? Most believe nowadays that this was a case of mass hysteria. The, quote, mad gasser of Mattoon is considered one of the more famous examples of mass hysteria on record. In fact, about two weeks after the attacks began, the local commissioner of public health, Thomas V. Wright, uh, he stated this. There is no doubt that a gas maniac exists and has made a number of attacks, but many of the reported attacks are nothing more than hysteria. Fear of the gas man is entirely out of proportion to the menace of the relatively harmless gas he is spraying. The whole town is sick with hysteria. But remember, this was 1944 during World War II. Gas attacks by German forces were a very real scare. The citizens of Mattoon had every reason to worry that this might have been some Nazi spy or attack. Why the Nazis would attack a small town in southern Illinois? Well, I can't think of a reason for that. But regardless, the bulk of these reports seem to be the result of panic. But Wright even concludes that a few have some validity. So just who was this mad gasser, and what did he use? Who is your gasser, and what does he use? (laughs) Get me to your spraying apparatus! (laughs) (laughs) Author of the book, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, Dispelling the Hysteria, Scott Maruna, believes that the mad gasser of Mattoon may have been a local resident named Farley Llewellyn. Farley was an exceptionally bright young man who had an exemplary uh, record in high school and was a chemistry major at the University of Illinois. However, when he returned from university, it was obvious that he was suffering from severe personality and mental health problems. Farley was a suspected homosexual and an alcoholic and was, you know, unfortunately ostracized for these things, adding to his already weakening mental state. His mannerisms started to grow increasingly strange. But at the time of the attacks started occurring, Farley was living in a trailer behind the grocery store that his parents owned in Mattoon. Farley kept a not-so-secret laboratory in his trailer. Neighbors to Farley's trailer even reported an explosion in his trailer just prior to the mad gasser attacks. Maruna states that the first three victims of the gas attacks were all around the same age as Farley and were high school classmates of his. However, there's no proof of this. But it's easy to see the pieces falling into place here. 
In fact, a writer for the 14 Times, John Downs, visited Mattoon in 2006 in order to uncover the truth about the Mad Gasser. He claims that because Farley's father was so beloved in the town and was a philanthropist, the town put up with UFO enthusiasts and conspiracy fanatics for decades asking questions in their town. But now that any Llewellyn relatives were either gone or passed away, the town people were ready to talk. Many, he claims, knew it was Farley and believed it to be him. They just didn't want to besmirch his father's name due to his son's actions. So, is Farley our fall guy? Art, let's talk gas. What kind of odors was this guy using in his stank bank? His stank bank? What kind of odors was he using in his stank bank? Art? Well, his stank bank. His stank bank. That's where he keeps all his stinky stank. In his stank bank. Art? He made a deposit. What odors was Yeah. I make more deposits than withdrawals. <laughs> I got a big stank bank account. Many, uh, maybe obviously, guessed it was chloroform, the classic chemical substance used in movies and TV shows alike to instantly knock out an assailant or victim with one big honking whiff. <laughs> it is also said to have a slightly sweet odor or taste. Art, I can confirm the odor. My wife has to chloroform me to sleep every night because I refuse to go to bed. I want to stay up late eating pudding and watching R-rated movies or more canon about you. Yeah. (laughs) But our friend, but he doesn't know it yet, Brian Dunning, host of Skeptoid, did a little math to determine the amount of chloroform needed to fill up the, you know, smallish houses of this uh, city in Mattoon. He says, quote, these were pretty small houses. And a quick calculation suggests that they enclosed perhaps 250,000 liters of air. Chloroform begins to take effect at 100 parts per million, thus requiring 25 liters of chloroform gas. End quote. So obviously this mad gasser wouldn't be able to carry around a spray gun with 25 friggin' liters of chloroform. Also, chloroform doesn't cause paralysis of the legs, so it kind of doesn't add up with the reports given in that regard. But what about nitromethane. Oh my god, rad dude. Nitromethane is a fuel additive in various motorsports to make motors go real fast. Like when Art and I have to do have to drift race down the streets of Tokyo late at night with our best friend, American raptor rapper and actor musician Bow Wow. And it looks like the evil Yakuza boss is gonna win, but then Art tells me to hit the friggin' nitro bra, and I hit that shit, and we go hella fast and win the big race and score all the hotties. <laughs> Anyway, nitromethane is suggested as one of the gases to go with by author Scott Maruna of the book The Mad Gasser of Mattoon Dispelling the Hysteria. He surmised that nitromethane with its high volatility would explain why police weren't able to find any traces of any chemicals or any remaining odors. It would also line up with causing a small explosion in Farley's trailer. Our our Dunning, however, believes a different type of methane was concocted. That's right. Meth! Meth. Meth. Methamphetamine. Oh, my goodness. Brian thinks he was probably messing with meth, which also lines up with the victim's symptoms and the explosion and apparently smells sweet in liquid form. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Maruna believes that he may have also been synthesizing 1122-tetrachloroethane. Uh, C2H2C... L4. L4. <laughs> which, as he writes... Quote, is a clear oily liquid that is extremely volatile with a sweet fruity odor. Breathing high levels of this can cause fatigue, vomiting, 
dizziness, and possibly unconsciousness. Thus, was the mad gasser just a local outcast with an extensive knowledge of chemicals extracting revenge on those he believes wronged him? Was it a case of town-wide mass hysteria? I suppose we can never know for certain. But listeners, that isn't gas you smell. That's a steaming hot plate of the whole enchilada on the mad gasser of Mattoon. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Serial killers, strange disappearances, unsolved mysteries, survivor stories. I'm Nate Hale, and in each episode of my show, The Conspirators, I dig deep and tell you the stories from history your teacher never told you. I tell you about all things strange and bizarre. And what's scariest of all? These things really happened. If you're interested in creepy history, you can find The Conspirators on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and our website, theconspiratorspodcast.com, as well as your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome back, you stank banks. That was our research of the Mad Gasser Mattoon. Listeners, you stinky winkies, welcome back. (laughs) Stinky winkies, get back from the stank bank, get all your stanks. I'll get back. I'll get back. back. I'll get Get back back from smelling stanky bank. Andy, Mad Gasser Mattoon, huh? Wow. What a tale. Why'd you do it? <laughs> you mad gassy mother. They should have called me the mad asser because all the gas came from my butthole. <laughs> the mad asser. What about the mad uh Asner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tap dancing freak. Ed Asner. <laughs> what about the mad uh uh Oh no, that's an Aspen. That doesn't make sense. The mad bastard. <laughs> I don't know who my father is. <laughs> Um, and it pisses me off. You know, Andy, where you where you leaning here? Um, I gotta leaning? tell you, I'm leaning hard, really, into Farley Llewellyn. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so too. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I mean, there's not really. Let me say this: this the police chief tried to say that it was the diesel plant. Yeah, the diesel engine plant. And then just a case of mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of these reports obviously are the case of mass hysteria. I believe so. A lot of them, though, are not. Oh. Interesting. Well, maybe not a lot. I'll say some of them are not. Because the initial reports. Interesting. Initial reports are not a case of mass hysteria because there was not mass knowledge of this condition. Okay. So the fact that there's like, what, three or four reports initially before it really catches on? Yeah, there's like three. Three big main ones. The Kearneys, the Codes, the Reefs. Yeah. So. Yeah, those three. Yeah. So it's like there were some that were legitimate. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously there are some of these that just, these people are like hyster- hysterical about it. Right. But I do think that there were some legitimate gas attacks that happened and 
honestly, Farley Llewellyn. Uh, okay, let me just say this right away. I'm no chemist, okay? So I don't understand chemistry. And you know what? I don't think that most people understand it. Probably not. I think probably most of the people that lived in Mattoon in 1944 didn't really understand chemistry that well. So, like, you got to think, like, how many of those people are college educated? This is wartime, so most of the, you the know, youth probably doesn't exist. The youth and, like, uh, the, like able-bodied fighting men are off. Like, right. You know, that, that you see that a lot in the research that, like, that might have added to the mass hysteria because what what is left behind is all the, you know, the families, the wives, just kind of wives and children, fucking old people. Right. And they're just, you know, they're worried that they're being attacked and there's, you know, no one's helping them. Yeah. And but I think that lack of a chemical knowledge. Yeah. Plays into this, because if I smell something sweet in the air, I can't. You're gonna think it's a big think, piece of candy, and you're gonna start. I'm gonna. You're gonna start, or a, or a pie, and you're gonna start floating. I'm gonna lift off the ground while involuntarily. That, yeah. Uh, the the odor, and you're gonna find yourself on Where a windowsill as the visible odor goes into my enlarged nostrils, <laughs> right? Which I've flared out to accept its <laughs> sweet smell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, I can't analyze it. I couldn't sit there and say, "Well, this is like this, and this is my symptoms." So, mm, which chemical seems like it's going to be the right one? Is it tetrachloroethylene <laughs> or tetrachlorofuck my butt? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't freaking know. And don't fuck with tetrachlorofuck my butt. <laughs> It'll get you. That's some that's some nasty that's stuff. Some nasty. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, this was a college educated guy, and he obviously knew a lot more. You know, uh, than and he seems like he had an axe to grind, right? I mean, yeah. Real or imagined, it seems like yeah. he was an outcast living in a trailer back behind mommy and daddy's grocery store. And you know what? The research done after the fact is kind of compelling. It is. By the 14 times that, hey, people are like, well, now everybody's dead. Like, we can talk about that guy fucking sucked. And uh, a little bit of a, uh, a bit of research left out of the script that probably actually, now that I mention it, probably should have been added is that... Um, <laughs> I think the Llewellyn oversight. The Llewellyn family started to suspect that it was Farley because oh. who the fuck else would know all this stuff? Yeah. Also, given the explosion, and to he was, uh, and also his mental state was declining, mm-hmm. you know, rapidly when he kind of returned from university. They, uh, I think, allegedly, I think they sent him to a mental hospital. Oh. Um, right around when the gas attack stopped. Like September eleventh. Mm. Mm. Now that doesn't really explain the thirteenth, um, and some other things. Like some researchers, you know, try and like say like, well, uh, tetrachloroethane uh, has a half life of this, this, and this. So it would have taken you know this amount of days. And how could someone on the thirteenth still be? And it's like, okay, you're telling me that like on the eleventh, when the bulk of the attack stopped is when also the day that he got sent to a mental institution and was no longer in the town. Okay. All right. Right. Okay, buddy. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, what kind of gas are you huffing, right? <laughs> maybe maybe you're hitting that little THC vape too hard. Am I right? Oh, boy. It's you know legal in Illinois now. It's legal. All yeah. kinds of fumes in Mattoon today. Oh, yeah. Mutum and every day. Mutum 2020. The mad gassing for a different reason now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nobody's mad. Everybody's chill gassing yeah, now. They're hotboxing. Yeah, hotboxing. Wake and bake. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with you, Andy. You know, I, I don't necessarily blame the town for being scared. This was World War II. 
Uh, they were gas attacks were a real thing. I mean, people did people did uh, nuclear drills right. in the, during the Cold War. Yeah. I mean, even though there wasn't a lot of times there wasn't even credible evidence that the Soviets were going to launch nuclear missiles at us. Yeah. I mean, it's still that it was it's it's a thing that keeps people fearful. I mean, understandably so. The Japanese uh, did launch a balloon attack. Yeah. They sent balloons and very little of them made it to the coast of California, but some did and did hurt people and kill people. That happened. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah. But it happened. Yeah. I mean, that was a real fear that the Japanese would attack the West Coast. Yeah. Or, you know, the Nazis would uh, gas a small town in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one's for vital information from that diesel company. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I think this is an example of so often we look at stories like this and we go like, here's the incompetence factor. I don't really see a lot of incompetence here. I think this police force did the best it could. Yeah. They're, I, they're small force. They never expected to deal with something crazy like this. I don't think that they screwed it up. And I think that nobody they, got hurt. They rightly determined I mean, nobody died that at some point it got out of control. Right. And that a lot of people... You know, there's the famous example of uh, the woman calling and saying that she felt ill from a weird odor, and it's because there was a spilled bottle of nail polish in her house. Right. I mean, it's like all that stuff, at some point, the police force has to go, we have to get this under control. Right. We can obviously debate the merits of what the police chief did. Should you come out and just say everything's fake because you can't find out who was doing it? And who knows? I mean- Maybe they were not doing anything because of Farley Llewellyn's parents. Yeah. And they didn't want to, like, offend the Llewellyn family. And they got lucky. Yeah. Because if they had come out and said, nothing to see here, move along. (laughs) And then it just kept happening. It kept happening. Right. Then they're fucked. Right. But they got lucky that they came out and said that, and then it immediately literally stopped that day. (laughs) Right. And we don't know what happened in the background. Maybe the police chief goes to Farley Llewellyn's dad and is like, come on, like, you get this under control. Right. This is a small town. Everybody right. knows each other. They know what right. they, you know, people know. Yeah. Uh, some people like to think that maybe the attack on the 13th of the Birch House happened because it's one of Farley's sisters who apparently were uh, also weird and never married and like weird homebody people who never left the house. Oh. One of them went out and did it as a way to shame the town. But, you know, this is all conjecture. Yeah, yeah, conjecture. You know, uh, there's also a possibility that that's not related at all. Right. That it's not even a gas attack. I mean, this is one thing about the whole thing is that nobody evaluated for this stuff because nobody, like the police force didn't, they weren't trained in like yeah. chemical attacks. And you got to remember, this is Nobody the, came and said, oh, we can figure out what these people are suffering this from. This is the, a police force made up of people who were were like either probably too old to be in the military or like, you know, when, when a war happens and a country does a draft, yeah, they take all the able-bodied people. Yeah. <laughs> like all the people who are fit to be soldiers go and they have to be- go become soldiers. And what happens is certain people get left in the reserves so that police forces and, you know, hospitals and whatnot, there's still people left behind right. to do those jobs. But, you know, they'll get you. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not trying to disparage this police force, but they was probably made up of reserve people who, you know, maybe are they the, did you know, did they want to be in the, uh, you know, 
how trained, I don't know. I don't know how trained they are, or anything like that, you know? Do we know even if Bertha Birch got sick or she just said somebody sprayed gas in her house and then they found woman's footprints outside of her house? Yeah, I don't know. I think she probably did. But, you know, that's how all these stories are. People are just like, oh, there was a gas in my house. You know, you know how much fucking weird, stinky shit I smell all goddamn day with this big ass schnoz I got? I smell shit all day long. I'm always smelling stanky stank. You smell stuff on the train. St train stinks constantly. There's stinky smells everywhere. Oh, yeah. You think if I reported every stinky goddamn smell, what a lunatic I'd be? I'm smelling stinky shit all day long. Have you ever walked into a room where somebody has sprayed uh, an offensive amount of like perfume? Oh, yeah. It will make me lightheaded. Oh, yeah. When you first like walk into it, I'll get a headache and stuff. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility to say that there were also copycats. Like maybe Bertha Birch's other prank on the 13th teens. is just a just some woman dressed in men's clothing trying to pretend to be the mad gasser yeah. and going around and just with a little atomizer psh, 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 spraying little, little Chanel number five. <laughs> <laughs> Dior. <laughs> Maybe maybe somebody who worked for the local uh, Macy's. What would it have been at the time? Uh, Marshall Fields. <laughs> it would have been Marshall Fields. The Marshall Fields store in Mattoon comes by. This is a weird gonzo marketing scheme <laughs> for perfume. Per perfume commercials never make sense. You know? So they decided to run a guerrilla campaign where they release some mad person to spray gas and everyone's it was like, ugh, fuck it stinks. Every, like, every, didn't go well. every cologne or perfume ad involves a beautiful person or people <laughs> in like a desert and then and it's just them like being sweaty <laughs> or like doing something weird. Like there's this one with now Johnny Depp like burying something in the desert. And then it's just at the end, it like shows the name of the cologne and it's like, oh, I get it. That's I'm, what it smells like. I, I guess. I really have never, I've taken advertising classes and I truly don't understand perfume ads. I think at some point in time, the culture of perfume ads just got weird and they were just like, that's just, we don't give a shit. That's just what we're going to do. Yeah. I, I don't understand them. I really don't. You have you always have some beautiful fucking person. They're like swimming. They're half mermaid. They're doing weird shit. There's one where it's like um, Jared Leto is like dressed and it, they're like 1960s, but they're running around in like modern times with this like girl who is she's beautiful, but she's like model beautiful. So she's like weird and interesting. You know, she's not like bodacious by any means, but you know. She's not a rad babe. She's not a like, rad honking babe on Baywatch, dude. Running slow-mo with the titties bouncing. Big fake boobies. Oh, She's like, yeah. like you know, like America's Next Top Model Beautiful, where right. they're like weird and they're like weird looking creatures. <laughs> I'm serious, but like that's like models are like, they're like tall and gangly. And, uh, you know. Yeah, you have to be so thin to be a model, yeah. but it's also an asset to be very tall. Right. And so it like, it just, it's like a lot of tall, emaciated people. Right. And so you get people like one of the contestants, like Creepy Chan. Um, they're just creepy looking. Mm -hmm. They got these big old eyes. So anyway, <laughs> the point of the thing is these, they're, okay. they're dancing around and then they like, they're in a supermarket and then they go to like a diner and then they're like in bed and then it just says the name of the thing. I'm like, yeah, what that's, that's what that they mean? are. Is that the experience I'm going to have when I put this perfume on? Mm-hmm. Cologne? Yeah. You'll become yes. that model. 
Yeah, I guess I'll become Jared Leto and I'll be I'm, uh allegedly uh sexing up young teens. Yeah, Jared Leto, Johnny Depp, a lot of winners in uh cologne ads. Wasn't Johnny Depp actually found out? Wasn't it actually uh I might be wrong on this. I think I read something that it was actually the opposite that what what happened. That his wife beat him. His wife abused him. Well, I think that he he said that. Did he say that? But I don't know that that was ever proven. Is that not proven? I mean, and besides, I might have gotten fooled by something. I mean, art isn't. It I'm saying I just read. It, isn't okay? it possible I'm not saying that I believe mutual? It. it could be mutual. They could beat each other up. Because I think what he was trying to say is that she hit him and then faked her own injuries or something. Right. Listen, I'm not sitting here trying to defend fucking multimillionaire celebrities who were in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which were great. Okay. But other than that, anybody in Pirates of the Caribbean movies, we're not. We're other not than here like to what's eating Gilbert Grape, the Pirates of the Caribbeans, Shakala. What the fuck else has Johnny Depp done? A lot of stuff. Rango, I guess. Uh, Willy Wonka. That wasn't good. I didn't see it. I'm talking about good stuff. You know that that mom in What's Eating Gilbert Grape wasn't even a trained actress. Nope. She was just literally a 700 pound person. Yeah. That they found. Then she became an actress after that movie. She acted in a few things. She was trying to get her career back on track when she died. It's sad. Yeah. I was going to make a joke, but... Oh. <laughs> I, I guess not. You can still make it. No, I'm not going to make it. Okay. Can't think of anything. What? <laughs> you were just thinking you might make a joke? I was think, trying to think of one. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Well, I had to keep things moving. Uh, I don't know. I, transition. <laughs> Andy. Hey, Art. I think there's an interesting you got a question for me. Yeah, I think there's an interesting discussion point here. Well, okay, let's talk about it. What's the line between hysteria mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and being a good concerned citizen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what do you think? You know, like it's like it's like those signs on the CTA that say, "If you see something, say something." Like, who's actually following that? Who's doing that? Who's paranoid enough that some person leaves their like? What's the line here? Because obviously mass panic of a community is really bad. Witch hunts are bad. Yeah. You know, when the Boston bombings happened, uh, people on Reddit were quick to try and catch the uh, Sarnyev brother who had escaped and ran off, right? Right. And they, uh, and if I memory serves me right, they pinpointed the wrong person and like almost ruined that person's life. Mm, that might be that might be accurate. I don't remember that exactly, but um, I know I get where you're going with this. But it's like they were trying to do the right thing. Right. If they had ca- ca- actually captured the right Sarnyev brother, everyone would say like, "Oh, they're heroes." Right. But they did the wrong thing, so mass panic. Right. Wrong. You know what's the line? Obviously, you have a bunch of concerned citizens concerned for the safety of their community, but they're making an investigation worse by calling in every little weird odor or shadow. You know. It's like that part in the serial killer story. Like, there's always that that one person who, if they had just listened to this one person, who's like, "I'm telling you, look at this evidence," and the yeah. the the police force is like, "No, it's definitely this." You know, I I get it. They could have caught the guy. You know, but I think that's what do the you thing. think the line is? I, I think that's the thing is that you know it takes so much effort by police forces to investigate these things that turn out to not be anything. Yeah, that sometimes real honest tips are ignored or don't get properly handled. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's reality. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the line 
come somewhere. I'll give you an example from my own life. I grew up oh. in a rural area, and in the house I grew up in, we had a big picture window in the living room, and there was a screened-in porch uh, outside of it. So you could see a lot from the living room. Uh, it's it's rural, so it's unusual to... There's no sidewalks, right? There, it's unusual to see people walking on the street. I saw somebody walking and not walking all that fast, like clearly not walking for fitness out in front of our house. Our house was, you know, like maybe 50 yards or something from the road. And I'm watching this person and they're like walking slow and they stop and they're kind of looking around and they walk a little more and there's nothing out there. I mean, it's just our yard uh, and there's a field across. Except for your house to rob. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, I was home alone at the time. And You're I'm about like. about to crank. <laughs> I was standing in the window pantsless. Yeah. Mid-cranking. Mid-crank. And I'm thinking, you know, should I should I call like the sheriff and come and talk to this you guy? You have to call the sheriff? Well, yeah. There's no local police force. We're oh. not in an incorporated area. Man. Um, so I'm thinking, should I call the sheriff and like have him come and like check this out do i need to get law enforcement involved just to like ask this person should i go out there should i finish cranking and then go just see what this person's doing (laughs) i'm like that's a little that's a little dangerous but i talked to myself off the ledge i'm like no 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 just wait and see what happens like if this person disappeared like walks into the yard then yeah then okay something's going on like then you got to do something but I think a lot of people don't, they'll see that and they just call the police. Uh, I don't know. I think that, I think that you have to draw the line for yourself and, and step back and decide what's a real issue. Cause a lot of these things, if people would have stepped back and thought rationally, they probably would have never called the police. Yeah. The, the case of the, the girl getting sick. Mm-hmm. And the mom thinks that it's the mad gasser. Yeah, but why? Like, isn't it possible that your kid got sick for another reason? Right. You have no evidence to suggest that your child was gassed. Right. So I think that it's easy for people to to get into mass hysteria. I think that good concerned citizens are people that legitimately see something that unsettles them. And they think through it. And then they take an appropriate action. But I think that good concerned citizens don't like immediately get law enforcement involved. Hmm. Well, what ended up happening? The guy just kept walking. Hmm. Who knows? I mean, three houses down the street got broken into. (laughs) No, no, it didn't happen. That didn't happen. I mean, but like, that's the, what if? Yeah. I mean, sure, it could have happened, but like I kept watching and he just kept walking. Who knows? Maybe it's just a weird person. Yeah. You know, people can be weird and not have any malintent. True. There, I, you run into a lot of weird people. Yeah. I think, though, I don't know if I agree with you sometimes because like think about like being on the train. Yeah. Uh, When there's like a weird like people just kind of deal with it. If there's like yeah. a, you know, a crazy person right. or someone acting bizarre, they might shift away. But people are just like, well, fuck. Yeah. Another day. Famously, <laughs> I was on a train 
that literally caught on fire and I stayed on the train for like five more stops along with like four other people as smoke billowed into the fucking train. Yeah. Like I stayed on the train. Yeah. The other day I was on. It's not normal. The other day I was on the train and uh, somebody had a seizure on the train. Oh, really? And, you know, CTA came in and they told everybody to get off the train, but it was in the middle section of the train. So the people, I was at the long end of the train, and you know what I mean when I say that. Yes. Like not the part where the conductor isn't. Right. And I wasn't at the front car or anything, so both ends were open, but there's more seats. I'm at the long end, away from the middle. People are just kind of hanging out there, but I didn't feel right. I got off the train. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, people people will deal with stuff, and people then started, like, boarding the train while this they four paramedics got there. But- you know, people deal with it, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. In those situations, was it just I never like a know regular what to do. Person? Yeah, it was just a regular person. Just had a, like a just seizure. Just had a seizure. Yeah. Like a, someone coming from from work? Yeah, I, I think so. Damn, that sucks. You're yeah. supposed to just like stand by them and like, I think just make sure that they don't bite their tongue and that's it. Yeah, somebody was like saying like, put the, put the person on their left side and mm-hmm. somebody, somebody stay here, but everybody make some space. Yeah. Don't crowd. So somebody knew what to do. Was it like vicious or was it just kind of like he just fell on the floor? Oh, I didn't see anything. I think it was just in the seats. It was somebody sitting in the seats. Oh. So I think that somebody like probably fell over onto somebody else. And that's how they figured it out that they were having a seizure. Mm. Um, But I don't know. I get conflicted in those situations. Because you want to go beat up the seizure person? No, no, not in not in the case of seizure, but Fuck. like you said, where it's somebody that's disturbed. Sure, I hate to say the word disturbed, but you know, somebody with that's probably got some mental illness. Because I don't know, it's like crazy. Yeah, it's like if I if I push that button, if they're not doing anything, right? If I push that button, the only thing the CTA is going to do is call the police. Right. And the only thing that's going to happen to that person is the police are either going to just be like, okay, well, knock it off and then leave, or they're going to take them to jail, which is well, also a terrible press, press charges. Yeah. Right. And they might, they'll take them to, they'll, no, they'll, they'll drop them off at like a psych ward or something. Yeah. But I mean, not it's that like, those are, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It just, to me, it it's like, is it that good either? Is right. that good? Like, uh, there's no, I wish that there was like, uh, there was somebody you could call. Who knew how to handle these situations? I don't know. I'm not. I'm. Or stupid. like, uh, if the CTA actually just put workers trained, or even like trained security, one person to patrol the yeah. train. Yeah, somebody like at at periodically throughout that could like handle. A or situation. even like having CPD patrol the train. I don't know. Like they do in New York. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> would help. <laughs> well, the thing is, like CPD is not really trained even to deal with mental illness. Right? Well, I mean, just to like. I'm t- and even I'm just talking for like the crime that happens on the train. Sure. Like I read a story the other day on it happened at like six in the mo- or six or seven in the morning on the red line. It was a mm-hmm. guy trying to help because this uh, a, dist- a vagabond disturbed vagabond was uh, like getting in someone's face and like looking like they were going to do something. Yeah. So another guy got involved to just kind of like get him off of them. And the crazy guy stabbed him. Yeah. He got stabbed. That's yeah. you get for trying to, you know, it's like, where, where's the line there? Like, should he have been concerned? Should we have just let the, you know, the, the, well, there's a difference between the way you kind of phrased it initially is like, oh, just somebody's there. Like people will avoid a person who seems weird. Right. Anyway. 
But then sometimes people are aggressive right. about it. And it's like, I think if somebody's getting aggressive, then you should do something. Right. And I don't know that, I think that like the trains have those little buttons that flags the conductor. I think that's better than always getting involved yeah. in the situation because it's like, or do both, you know? Yeah. I think some people are like, well, I'll just handle this myself. And it's like, maybe you shouldn't. You know, maybe and then you, you got like my situation when I got punched in the face. Yeah. You so people like tackled him. Yeah. And that was good. Held him to the ground. That was good. Yeah. People did the right thing. But that was a bunch of people working together, not just and one. a CTA employee who was watching him because he was uh, so notorious on the train for causing trouble. <laughs> See, like that's a bad situation, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Somebody somebody should have like probably not let that guy ride the train. Yeah. That's actually a good point. <laughs> like that's a different because he had a history. <laughs> he, had a, he had a long. He had history. a history of assaulting people on CTA. Yeah, like in CTA vehicles and skipping the turnstile and assaulting people. And you know, I mean, I guess it's a little different. We live in a big city. Mm -hmm. If you saw some pesky teens jump the turnstile, like, are you gonna fucking flag them down? No. Are you even gonna give a shit? Like, I don't no. give a fuck. No. That happened to me the other day. I was like, whatever. I'm like. Ugh. I'm like fucking making making my fare more expensive. Make my fare more expensive. But I'm not gonna say anything because yeah. you know it's like three three teens could take me. I mean, half <laughs> they could have their way with you. <laughs> All those <laughs> teens want to have sex with me. I know it. <laughs> no, I know you're right. Three pesky teens would beat the shit out of both of us. Right, and you don't know they might have weapons. Yeah, and even if they didn't, what am I gonna do? Right, <laughs> I'm so out of shape. I, I went through the turnstile and just immediately it was like, I want to get to my train. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to completely ignore. Um, and, you know, also we live in a city and we become callous to things. We walk by homeless people all day long. Right. You, It's part of the nature of civilization. You know, people talk to you on the street and you have a sense yeah. of whether or not oh, this person yeah. needs something or is a hundred percent. And then, you and know, then they try and give you fucking grief for it. I hate that shit. Sometimes you just oh. ignore them. Oh, wow, I'm sorry. Do you think I'm asking for... I know you're asking for something. I've lived in this city my whole life. Nobody comes up to you and it, you can tell immediately if they're a fucking tourist. You can tell immediately. Because they'll have like their phone out or they'll be like a family or they'll have like a fucking map. They'll be like, and they'll ask me, where's Michigan Avenue? I've helped so many people with directions. Yeah. And you can tell because they stand around and they... You can tell they don't know what they're doing. They they stand around. Instead of this person who is taking a laser line right. directly at you. Right. And then says, oh, what? I'm gonna. You think I'm going to ask you for something? And it's like, somebody said that to me once. And I said, are you not going to ask me for something? <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you my story. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Thank you for your story. <laughs> Goodbye. Or when you got approached to go to the uh, nude beach with that one guy. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, he basically propositioned me for a threesome. Yeah, that's right. With me and my wife. Yeah. And you took him up on it. Yeah, and he was not a generous lover. <laughs> Focused a lot on my wife and not on me at all. He doesn't employ cuck. <laughs> he employs a different kind of cuck. I had to just <laughs> fuck him in the ass because he would not pay attention to me. <laughs> I don't know, Andy. I think there's a... That'd be the best way to get back at somebody if they were like, have a threesome with you and all they want to do is have sex with your wife. Like, well, well, I'm going in your butt. I'm going to fuck you in the ass. 
Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. Literally, I'm going to buckle you up. Uh, I don't want you squirming. I think I think with this case with Mattoon. Yes. Definitely there was mass hysteria. I think they yes. overstepped the line. I think we can yeah. say that. I don't know if we can ever. There's so many varied examples. It's hard to say. It's hard yeah. to actually give a concrete answer on when are you being a concerned citizen and when are you just being a pest? Yeah. An overly cons- a paranoid person. Yeah. If you see someone leave their bag behind on the CTA, are you going to freak out? That's the thing is CTA you know, tells you, hey, if you see a unattended bag, tell somebody. It's like, really though? I mean, most of the time I'll probably be like, well, this, there's nothing in this bag. Yeah. Like if I see a bag full, like a stuffed bag with wires coming out of it, then like, yeah, I'll probably- A comical bag full of like, dynamite <laughs> sticks- Sticking out, you're like, hmm. yeah, a briefcase with a TNT plunger next to it. Like, yeah, I'll probably say something, maybe. But you know, people forget their bags on the CTA. Yeah, and then I'm like, well, I don't want to touch it. Right. What if it is a bomb? I don't want to touch it. Yeah, I don't want a bomb residue I don't on my set fingers. it off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got I, enough legal trouble. I feel like if you're the person who sees someone leave their bag behind, nine times out of ten, someone's gonna be like, hey, your bag. You know, yeah. Hey, sir, you know, you forgot your bag. I've seen, you know, people do that with people generally are pretty decent sometimes. You know, you know what happens though? Drop a hat or it's usually that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And sometimes people will say, I've seen this happen before on the train. Somebody gets off the train and leaves something behind, and somebody says, Oh, you dropped this. Well, they have earbuds in, so they don't hear. True. And so they just keep walking. And then it's like, well, I'm not going to get off the train and chase you down. Like right. you, I mean, no offense to anybody. I'm a good person almost, but there's a limit, right? Right. Like I'm not going to completely go out a, of your fucking way. Like, oh, you dropped this one glove. Like, yeah. well, if you can't, if you can't be bothered. It's a glove. Yeah. You'll live like yeah. you'll have a cold hand. So what? They'll call you cold hand Luke. <laughs> you'll eat 50 eggs. It'll be a great day. Yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah, I guess so. Looks like what we have here is a failure to cooperate. Does it communicate? Communicate, I think. Yeah. Big aviators. Decent movie. Weird movie, but decent. (laughs) Who stars in that? Uh, Steve McQueen. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho. Um... I, I also feel like in this case, yeah. if we're talking about the difference between a concerned citizen and uh, mass hysteria, people also crossed the line, maybe not intentionally. And what I mean by that is I'm thinking about the fact that people suspected Farley Llewellyn. Yeah. Yet he's not really discussed in 1944. Right. It doesn't seem like they investigated him. So if people suspected him. Handsome Brian Dunning, award-winning Brian Dunning, uh, went our friend, but he doesn't know it yet. Soon Listeners, to be friend. hashtag get Brian on Bunker. Bunker, Bunker, Bunker Brian. <laughs> um, he did some record searching in Mattoon and did find traces of the Llewellyn family, but I don't think he could find a Farley. Now, this is fucking 1944. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know the record keeping. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was stricken from the record. Who knows? 
You know, I don't know. But the Llewellyn family did live in Mattoon. Yeah. So I think you're, I think, you know, Andy, I really do think you have small town experience. You know what that's like. I think maybe the police maybe did go to the Llewellyn family and say like, hey, listen, come on. Your son is the only person in town. We know he has a chemistry degree. Everybody knows he's the only person from this town, this town who went to college. Right. You know, like things, how things, many people went to college in 1944? Like with a small town perspective, I mean, <clears throat> I'll tell you that this is not unusual, right? Right. It's like if you're if you're like a respected person in a small town. And, They'll protect you. Yeah. You you'll get a certain amount of protection. Right. Like what? Can't what, go around GTA style murdering hookers and what then Far- taking your cash back Farley after you had Lu- sex what, with them. What Farley Llewellyn did was trespassing. And I don't know what the crime would be. Maybe it's assault. Assault. Uh, if you spit on someone, it's assault. I think gassing yeah, someone's yeah. house is a little bit. But at the same time, nobody suffered any long-term effects. Right. Like the worst that happened to anybody is they, they couldn't move. They threw up. Probably they shit their pants. I mean, at least that's what happens to me (laughs) every time I can't move. I throw up and shit my pants. (laughs) So, I mean, at the end of the day, even if he was doing this, nobody suffered a lot of long-term ill effects from it. Right. And nothing was ever stolen. And it didn't seem like, it doesn't even seem to me that theft was probably the motive. Right? Like, it seems it seems more like somebody who's a chemist who's just like messing with people. Nothing was ever stolen. I think that's a great point. Yeah. This seemed like someone who just wanted to fuck around. Yeah. This is like this is like a it's a terrorist attack basically. Yeah. In a way. Yeah, yeah, really you're right. He just wants to spread terror. It's just terror. And and so I, I can imagine a situation where especially in 1944, you know, uh that the police would maybe just go to the Llewellyns and say like, look, we think your son is doing this. Do something about it. Yeah. We got the fucking FBI here. The FBI is here. Like if you don't, <laughs> if he doesn't knock it off, they're going to figure it out. And if he doesn't quit that shit and cut it out. Turns Dave Collier was, was chief of police. Was the chief of police yeah. at the time. Who knew? Playing one of his greatest roles of all time. <laughs> I mean, uh, decades. And, and then, so they were like, okay, fair enough. Point taken. Yeah. Like, because, you know, sometimes, sometimes parents too, like, oh, yeah. If he, even if he lived in the trailer, like, they might think, oh, he's so weird. Like, we're not going to go back in there and figure out what he's up to. Like, or, you he's know, eccentric. He's the black sheep of the family. It's kind of yeah. like, you kind of want to forget. Yeah. They maybe not are he super in interested trailer, in his yeah. life. And so they don't even notice that he's like, it's 1944. Out it's not to say that towns, small towns today are any less judgmental or. No bad but like you have to imagine in 1944 is probably heightened so the fact that you have a uh, someone suffering from mental illness which was probably uh not something that people talked about right there's a different relationship to mental illness now yes and, and then you got was, the suspected homosexuality which is you know that's a, another thing that right. there's a different relationship now the alcoholism yeah so on top you got all these three things he is a a drunk gay man who's already <laughs> who's suffering from mental illness who loves chemicals who loves chemicals i mean it's <laughs> it's it's a hat trick right? right for like people to just to want judge. to try to ignore him yeah. and judge him right and so i mean i can see why he would be resentful and why he might want to just 
like make people's lives weird for a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, I could also see the police not really digging in that much and just going to the Llewellyns and telling them, hey, and then that's when it stopped. And then I could see them also coming out and saying, well, it's probably the diesel engine plant because <laughs> they had the gas there. Yeah. And so even if it wasn't leaking anything, I mean, I agree with the plant manager. Like, why wouldn't the employees be sick? It wasn't like the plant was in the town either. It was right. Like it was near the town. Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't. So you would have employees that were hella sick before the, any of the towns. Right. Got yeah. Sick. Yeah. And there should have been people like in between the plant and the town, theoretically, <laughs> yeah. who were You would have sick. seen like a very distinct like. It'd be like the fog. Yeah, like a, a line. It would yeah. start in one corner of the town and sweep in. Yeah. Because Mattoon is gridded. It's not like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's like a, I saw like a, a picture of the city and it's just, it's like a gridded town with like a big main road, mm-hmm. classic small town America. Right. Um, so the fact that these were very specific towns the fact that allegedly these are high school classmates, yeah. people of, that Farley would have known. I mean, I think what we're what we're getting at here with our verdicts. And if you don't have anything else, Andy, we can jump right in. Yeah, let's jump right in. I mean, I'll go hard on this right now. Yeah, go ahead, go hard. Is it Farley Llewellyn? Case closed for me. Woo! Case confirmed. Case confirmed. Case confirmed. It's yeah. Farley Llewellyn. Uh, you know, I think I think it was mass hysteria. So I don't think that all these attacks should be attributed to him. But I think the attacks that happened should be, with the possible exception of the one on the 13th of September, which I don't know about that one. But I don't think that I don't think that it was it was either a copycat, yeah, or or it was just somebody pulling a prank and there was no actual gassing, right? Because it doesn't there's not it doesn't seem to me like oh that it was reported that somebody was outside the house, but it doesn't seem like it was reported that there was any gassing symptoms, right? I I mean. It's just everything lines up to say that it's Farley Llewellyn. Yeah. I and so for me, you. I'm going to say case confirmed on him. I'm, I'm That's a, it. I'm going to agree with you. Case confirmed. But I'm also going to say case confirmed. It is it is also mass hysteria. Hmm. Fair. You know, I, I do believe that and a lot of, you know, Thomas V. Wright says that even our friend, but he doesn't know yet, Brian Dunning. Yeah. Brian, Brian Dunning has a habit of saying like, there isn't enough evidence, so I don't care. And I'm kind of like, Come on, Brian. Come on, Bri. Come, Boy, come to bat. Getting him off on the wrong it's foot here. Play here, dude. Oh, but he's always like, uh, I think he's in agreement that it was most likely also Farley and then also mass hysteria. Yeah. You know, some trickster is running around uh, playing a dangerous prank, a terrorist, a terrorizing prank. And, you know, because we don't know his motive. Did he actually want to hurt and kill people and he just failed at it or... Right. He just kind of want did he know that whatever chemical he used would just kind of give them a little bit of a shock and they'd be fine. Right. I mean, it seems you, like maybe he did. Yeah, if you know anything about chemicals, you probably know that like here's going to be a thing that I can do easily right. that won't hurt people long term. It'll just make them feel weird for a little bit and then they'll be fine. Right. So, I think I'm agreement in agreement with you there, Andy. Um case confirmed it's farley and mass hysteria there was no ape there was no night prowler or uh half man half ape hybrid thing that lurked in the night which apparently one lady said uh but but i couldn't confirm that in any other research so i kind of left it out yeah but it's in the video yeah um but yeah case confirmed so uh listeners mm-hmm. that was our verdict on That's the it. mad gasser of mattoon let us know what you think Use the hashtag 
Mad gas that I'm looking to pass. <laughs> okay. Hashtag mad gas mad that, I'm, gas looking that I'm looking to pass. And let us know what you think. Um, Boy, I think that just about puts the finishing touches here on this Matuna salad. God damn it. And folks at home, just remember to... <laughs> How long were you thinking about that during my verdict? I wasn't. Just two seconds. That's okay. all it took. Yeah. Uh, and folks at home, just remember to have your pets sprayed or neutered. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Andy, unless you have any last words, we can get out of here. <laughs> well, let's go home. You have any last puns you want to get out? Nope. I got them all uh, done. Okay. I can... Uh, hey. Art, you're singing hey. Matuna. You're a big Makuna tuna. Big, big Makuna tuna. Matuna Makata. <laughs> uh, I loved going to the Italian restaurant in Matuna, though, uh, where I got Matuna Ricotta. Such a wonderful dish. Yeah. Matuna, Matuna Ricotta. Ain't no sh- Olive Garden piss. It tastes real chewy. For the rest of your days. You'll taste it forever. Makuna Matata. Ricotta. Ricotta, whatever. <laughs> anyway, for the titular Mr. Bunker. And for the good people of Mattoon, Illinois. And for the good people of Mattoon, Illinois. And for my... Uh... Brobding... Nagan. What? <laughs> oh, he's gonna play the pronunciation. Brobdingnagian. <laughs> what? My Brobdingnagian. What? Have to look it up. Oh, boy. This comes off my head, though. Yeah, this is obviously a word that Art knows and loves. Brobdingnagian. <laughs> Co-host Andy Hart. I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Brobdingnagian. <laughs> And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.